0: Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, USFL edition. I'm your host, Ian Hart. It's happy playoffs. Everyone made it through 10 exhilarating, dare I say, borderline erotic 10 weeks of the regular season. And now we're here. Four teams remain two weeks. Let's crown a damn champion. Why the hell not? Going to just break down these two matchups today with all the friendly resources that PFF continues to supply us with. And yeah, great day to be great. Let's get after it. On Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern time, Philadelphia Stars will take on the New Jersey Generals. Generals Generals favored by four and a half points. Game total at 47 and a half. Look, on the year, the Stars worst defense by pretty much any metric you want to look at, but they're 6-4. and four. They can score with anybody, and if you look at it, nobody did score more points than Philadelphia per game this year at 26.2. Crazy stat I found, though. The Stars have gone over the 35-point threshold on three separate occasions. No other USFL team has reached even 35 points once all year. I think the Stallions got to 33. The Breakers got to 34. I'm not trying to say the Stars are light years ahead of everyone else on offense, but at their best they really have been better than anyone else meanwhile with the generals plus 50 point differential on the season they were certainly more dominant than the stars throughout the course of the year and overall 5.7 yards per play league high stars are at 5.5 though so really do have arguably the top two offenses in this game top two defenses in the next one But we'll talk more about that in a minute On the season, we have already seen these teams play twice. In week three, the generals won 24 to 16. In week 10, they won 26 to 23. Both instances, we really just saw the generals use that ground attack, control the ball, ultimately win out. Game one, they had a 36 to 23 minute advantage in the time of possession. Last week in week 10, it was still 35 to 25. So, The yardage difference was a lot closer in week 10. Week three was actually the last time we saw week one starter for the stars. Brian Scott under center. Case Cook has came in and largely has done a great job all season long. But the big kind of just – trend we saw in these two games was the fact that the generals could really do whatever they wanted on the ground deandre johnson trey williams darius victor even a little bit of kevante turpin mixed in these guys were just crushing it on the ground so if they're not gonna be able to slow down that generals again three to even four prong rushing attack could be another long day at the office for the stars but then again if kugus is cooking they might just score enough points to win in style in terms of the top playmakers to watch, I mentioned a few of these guys on the generals already, but running back Darius Victor and wide receiver Comante Turpin. We were talking about the offensive player of the year in Victor and the MVP in Turpin, which I couldn't agree more with. Truly, Whoever listed Turpin's weight on their roster as 155 pounds should be fired. This guy was 175. He would be getting at least a tryout as a returner for an NFL team. I'm not trying to go crazy here as much as I love this league, but come on, guys. 155, like, I know it's 2022, but that's going to be really tough for anyone to take a chance with. Even though Turpin, PFF's single highest-graded offensive player this season, has been an electric rusher, receiver, return man, nobody is scarier with the football in their hands in this league than Kabonte Turpin in terms of Darius Victor. Number one, rushing yards after contact, touchdowns on the ground and first downs. It has been you know, the Victor and Trey Williams show, but if they continue to feed Victor near that goal line, don't expect that to stop. Actually, if you look at it on the season, top three highest graded running backs and wide receivers are Turpin, Victor, and Trey Williams. So that's what we've been working with inside of, again, the most efficient offense on a per-play basis. Looking at the Stars, got to be Case Cookus, their quarterback, and running back Matt Colburn as the key difference makers. I mean, Cookus in Week 8, that was the best single-game performance we've seen from a quarterback all season long. 20 for 26, 247 yards, four touchdowns. And, oh, yeah, he also had a 79-yard freaking scramble. Was not very fast there. But, again, the best version of this Stars offense has been better than any other offense. I used to think it was going to be the New Orleans breakers that had the highest offensive ceiling. We have found out that it is, in fact, the Philadelphia Stars. So again, 35 points on three separate occasions, like compared to the rest of the league having zero, that to me is crazy. I know it's a little bit of an arbitrary number, but come on guys, like that is a wild stat. But basically we do have the league's most pass happy offense in the stars facing the league's most run heavy offense in the, um, and the New Jersey Generals at just 46.2% pass play rate. So if Cookus is not able to, you know, control the air, they're going to need someone to uh, step up and really try to just score some points and win this potential shootout, and that will be Matt Colburn. We have seen him score in five consecutive weeks, really taking over this backfield during the second half of the season. Had that monster three touchdown game back in week six, but truly as a rusher and even a little bit as a receiver, he has been electric. Almost looks like he's like battling gravity when he's running. Sometimes again, I compared him to the USFL's version of Austin Eckler out here, just having fun with these comps. I understand there's a, you know, pretty damn wide golf and talent between the two, but watching Colburn get loose in the open field is a fun time. They're gonna need him to be on top of his game if they want to pull the upset. Key matchup for each offense to exploit. For the Generals, again, I think they just need to run the damn ball. And that's not going to be something I'm going to say for any other team. But if you look at it, they are number one in the USFL in yards rushing before contact at 1.9 yards. You look at the Stars, they are the worst defense in the USFL, averaging 1.8 yards before contact per rush. Overall, the lowest grade overall defense as well as run defense in the entire league. So DeAndre Johnson, Darius Victor, Trey Williams, and Kabonte Turpin. Like, I understand understand i'm not saying to bench Luis perez he's been arguably the best passing quarterback in the entire usfl this year and they do need to throw the ball at turpin some of their other guys out there uh you know looper and all that but at the same time we've seen the generals when they get a lead they can keep it because they just take the ball they keep the ball and they just move the ball up and down the field running it down the damn throats of the opposition if they are able to do that that does seem like their path of least resistance to get in the w with the stars that case cook is cook look their defense has been awful all season why does it not really matter because they just outscore the other team let's do it keep that pass play rate up and just see what happens i mean matt colburn has been good but we don't want to see him touching that 20 carry mark let's let cook go nuts i mean looking at the generals nobody posted a worse pff pass rush grade than new jersey on the season Actually pressured opponents on just 30% of the dropbacks, which was the second worst mark in the entire USFL. So if you're giving you know Cookus a little too much time back there, I do think he has a good chance of making a lot happen because that has been the only kind of weakness with the Stars' passing game. They've allowed a 41% pressure rate, second highest mark in the league. They've given up the third most sacks overall. So with that in mind, if the Stars, if their kryptonite on offense is not being able to block, well they're now facing the USFL's worst pass rush. So that could be problematic, and I do think their best case of best chance of winning this one is just going to be jumping out to a lead and trying to force the generals to just get out of their comfort zone throw the ball a little more but here we are going into week 11 of this and only one team's been able to really do that to the generals all season long takes me to the pick I think the Generals win. I'm taking the Stars plus four and a half. I just think that that offense and the capability they have to put up points in a hurry throughout the entire game, having a seemingly healthy Case is four and a half seems a little high to me. I would put this spread actually, I think, at three points if I was in charge of making the lines. But I'm not. I'm just here betting on them. Give me the Stars plus four and a half. Game number two, New Orleans Breakers versus the Birmingham Stallions. Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern, everyone. Stallions favored by five points. Game total at 44.5. So, six and four Breakers, nine and one Stallions. Prime time, baby. Has not been great for either offense during their last 12 quarters of action. Actually, been pretty damn terrible. So I think not great it was a bad adjective there. <laughs> Looking at uh, Birmingham, 46 total points across their last 12 quarters, and it's been even worse for New Orleans. Just 30 points over the last three weeks. I mean, Kyle Sloter was the all-USFL quarterback. Right now it's unclear if he's even their best option under center, sadly. And look, he has had a bunch of injuries he's playing through. And I still think the peak of the New Orleans Breakers offense, while We're giving the nod to the stars and the things they've been able to do. And Cook is having that magical week eight game. I will give the stars the most upside, but just with some of these wide receivers and with the best version of Slaughter, I do think this breakers passing game can still put a lot together, but it's been a damn long time since we've been able to see that and similar sentiment with Birmingham. I mean, Jamar Smith saw a lot of you guys trying to give him the MVP nod and hey, as the quarterback on one of, if not you know, a top two USFL team. We are used to those players being at the top of the MVP conversation, but just recently has been really tough for Jamar Smith. And honestly, with the things Alex Magoo has been doing on the ground now that he's healthy. I mean, that like 18 yard touchdown run last week where he hurdled the man uh, pretty impressive there. You do wonder if Magoo would actually be their best choice under center earlier this year, we were fighting for Jamar Smith to be that guy. Now it does seem to have swung back in Magoo's favor. Looking at their two matchups, Stallions won them both. In week three, they won 22-13. to In week eight, they won 10-9. to Super close games, though. I mean, if you just look at the total eight quarters of action, total yards, Stallions had 611 total yards. The Breakers had 630. So, again, very close. Just the issues for the Breakers offense kind of came down to Kyle Sloater and just the team not being able to take care of the football. In the first matchup, took four sacks, and they let the ball hit the ground four separate times on fumbles second matchup, Slaughter had three interceptions which wound up being the story of the afternoon. So we'll see. Marlon Williams uh, for the Stallions and um, Victor Bolden have really been making a bunch of plays in these two spots and I just think if the Birmingham offense can find a way, whether it's Smith or Magoo, to feed the ball to these wide receivers that's going to be their best path to victory and they are going to be my top playmakers to watch for the Stallions. Marlon Williams this year, really just one of the more impressive guys with the ball in his hands like obviously got to give that title to Cavante Turpin, the things he's done. But Marlon Williams will make you, you know, jack that neck around to watch the TV when you see him with the ball in his hands because he does do a lot of good things. Number six after the catch per reception on the year. uh, PFF's number eight wide receiver in terms of just yards per reception. We have seen Victor Bolden get the higher target share, be used a little bit more downfield. But the big story here, I don't want to see Birmingham simply lay on the football, give both Scarborough and CJ Maribel 40 combined carries and ride their defense like it's legal to try to score more than 10 points in a football game, whether it's Smith, whether it's Magoo, let's get Marlon Williams, Victor Bolden, inner Sirius Mitchell um, involved because I do think they are the best pass to victory here. Now, both these defenses are fantastic, but if you do look at what the Stallions were able to do in the first few matchups, we did see a lot of the cornerbacks on their own struggle. Actually had four different guys with a PFF coverage grade of 60 or worse. So these wide receivers for Birmingham, all season long, we've seen some good things from them. I really think that that is the best path to victory for them on offense throw the damn ball similar sentiment for the breakers again we're facing just Great defenses, both offenses have to deal with this. So with that in mind, let's try to take advantage of the one-on-one matchups on the outside because both of these teams happen to have a handful of fantastic wide receivers. On the New Orleans side, we got Johnny Dixon and Jonathan Adams. Dixon has actually already been a thorn in the side of this uh, Birmingham defense this season. He's caught 11 of 17 targets, 118 yards, and two scores in eight quarters against the Stallions. Has been Kyle Slaughter's number one receiver in terms of targets all season long. Jonathan Adams, though. Turpin MVP, Jonathan Adams. Not the best wide receiver in the league. That should go to Kevontae Turpin, but I do think in terms of being NFL ready, not being 155 pounds, these are things that Adams, I do think, uh, holds ahead of Turpin at this point. So, just again, the manner in which Adams has gone about scoring some of these touchdowns, did just, just oozes talent and uh, even though he hasn't had too much success against Birmingham, six catches for a combined 63 scoreless yards in two games, you do wonder if he can have one of these games that we know he has the potential of having just a breakout I'm the best player on the field performance that is going to be New Orleans path to victory so I just think at the end of this game I'm not expecting it to be t- too high scoring. What's the game total? 44 and a half. I would be taking the under on that game total. And I think we're going to look back and we're going to see one of these wide receivers, Bolden, Williams, Dixon, Adams, make the sort of big contested catch or the you know long run after a catch that blows the game open and ultimately gets their team to the championship. So, I'll give Birmingham the nod as the more complete team, but just like before, I think this spread's a little too wide. Give me the breakers plus five under the pretense that both of these defenses will, again, keep things close from start to finish, expecting one of these wide receivers to hopefully make that big play and send them home. That's going to wrap up this edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. We'll be back with another preview ahead of Championship Sunday. Probably final podcast will be after that championship. I'm not going to be doing these throughout the entire offseason. Do not worry about that, everyone. But, hey, we'll be back next year, obviously. And, uh, yeah, let's have some great playoff action. I am. Devastated to say I'm not going to be able to catch all of this action on Saturday Live. Uh, going to be traveling to Long Beach Island with the fiance and a bunch of her family to hang out, sit at the beach, be a freaking bum for a few days, or if not longer. But unfortunately, my flights are on Saturday, and uh, you know, tough to make your tough to make your future family curb their entire vacation plans around your desire to watch USFL football. But believe you me, I will still be trying to get through every single snap possible pains me i can't be in canton for it but there's always next year right so don't worry watch it for me and uh yeah let's watch some more great live football guys it's been a fun year dozens of us dozens of us have been enjoying it we got two more weeks of it let's soak it all in then we'll have nfl right around the corner so thanks always for tuning in i'm ian harris until next time take care buddy